When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Welcome into a very special edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. I was thinking about making this part of the Legacy Series or just kind of a, a regular episode, but today it's so much more because today in podcast form we're paying tribute to Billy Tubbs, and it's the first of a series of pods that we'll release in paying tribute to the Sooner legend who passed away this past week. Uh, Jessica Cootie sat down with Kelvin Sampson, Lon Kruger, some former Sooner greats, and we'll have that coming up next week as we count down to Bedlam. But today we wanted to bring you – the roundtable with Sooner Legends talking about Coach Tubbs and hearing from Coach Tubbs himself. Toby Rowland is the master of ceremony. So I, I thought maybe the best thing to remember, Coach, is to hear the great stories. So what do you say? We sit back, we spend a Saturday, a Sunday, or whenever you consume this podcast remembering a legend as we look back on the life and the career of the great Billy Tubbs. He was brash. He was charismatic. He was a winner. He was Billy Tubbs. One of a kind. Billy Tubbs came out of the tunnel and walked onto the court with the swagger of a professional wrestler. He dressed like a Wall Street tycoon and then for the next two hours proceeded to pummel opponents with the glee of a kid on Christmas morning. But you blow out most of you are really... You are unmerciful. Why do you do that? Are you beat people by a hundred? What's the biggest? What's the biggest victory margin you've had? Probably somewhere around eighty. <laughs> Billy Ball turned Oklahoma basketball into the greatest show on the hardwood. Run and gun and so much fun that the Lloyd Noble Center became can't miss theater. Billy and his boys were rock stars. They scored a hundred without even breaking a sweat. 
They dominated opponents into submission with a combination of stifling defense, unreal athleticism, and a head coach that didn't care one bit if he hurt the other team's feelings. Billy Tubbs made a school known for football must-see TV in basketball. You either watched because you loved them or hated them, but this much is certain. Billy didn't give a rip either way. He was there to win by as many points as possible and in so doing, put on a show we'll never forget. And he commanded the college basketball spotlight with a good old boy country charm that was intoxicating. Welcome back to the Billy Tubbs Show. I'm Billy Tubbs along. I'm I'm Steve Newman. <laughs> Gee, hey, boy, it's been a tough week. I, you had you really had me worried there for a minute, it's, Steve uh, or Billy or whatever your name whatever, is. Whatever, whoever I am. Yeah. Well, Coach, it's been a rough weekend. How's that? Start. Yes, now. evidently yeah. you had a rough weekend. That's pretty obvious. He won recruiting battles. He won press conferences. He won basketball games. He won titles. He won our hearts. Billy had a bigger-than-life personality that dominated every room. And we all couldn't wait for him to pick up a microphone. Well, all of us except for maybe Ed Hightower. Billy got it. Sports is supposed to be entertaining. He was an entertainer. His teams were Showtime. Wayman, Stacy, Mookie, Kermit, the Skeeter Meter, Chu, Harvey, Webster, Price, Evans, Amazing Grace. They overwhelmed you with talent, flooded you with effort, and never let you breathe until you staggered back to your locker room thankful that it was over. And the maestro, the biggest star of all, was the relentless spitfire in the sharp suit who was given a referee an earful and spitting one-liners to the media. And we loved him for it. We loved him. We still do. We always will. And after the coaching days were done, we saw the softer side his never-wavering love for Pat, his ever-present wry smile, his ability to captivate with a story at the drop Wade of a hat. Walker's in there. And Wade Walker says, uh, you got a problem. I go, really? What is it? And he said, one of your boys did an obscene gesture. And I go, really? Chew Kennedy. So I called Chew in, giving him an inspirational talk about obscene gestures, because he didn't do it exactly right. So I bring him in. <laughs> That former fire breather on the sidelines was a warm and friendly and loving and likable as an Oklahoma sunset. Billy Ball brought you out of your seat with an electric brand of the sport rarely, if ever seen. Billy Tubbs was a man packed with kindness, generosity, and a sense of humor unequaled. And combined, his life and his career were a gift to Sooner Nation. A gift from an Oklahoma icon you will never forget. 
Billy Tubbs. One of a kind. Welcome everyone and thank you for being with us tonight. I think we're going to have fun. We are here tonight to talk about and to honor the maestro of one of the most entertaining eras and entertaining programs in college basketball history, Billy Tubbs. He was hired, ironically, on April Fool's Day of 1980, and Tom McCurdy was on the Board of Regents that chose Billy Tubbs to be the basketball coach here. Tom, why did you make that decision? Well, Tully, uh, I got a call from the president. I, I had just come on the board, just appointed to the board by Governor Nye, and he called me and said, uh, we've got a vacancy, it's the basketball coach. And so he said, I know you played here. And he said, would you help us to get some candidates, real good candidates for this job? And so I made some calls on my own. I called uh, John Wooden. Um, I called Digger Phelps, Guy Lewis, and Billy Packer. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to get, I asked these guys to give me the names of some good young coaches that had an up and down style of basketball. I didn't want anybody that walked it up the court. I wanted someone could bring some energy where the fans would love it. And uh, anyway, all these guys gave me some names, but, and Billy's name was always one of them, and every one of them. And I thought, I'm gonna get in touch with him. And so I called Billy and he said, well, he said, I've got a job, I'm, I'm not interested. And I said, well, think about it. I said, I, I want you to come to Norman. I want you to see the campus. I want you to see the arena, see the people here, see President uh, Banowski and uh, meet some people that are decision makers because basketball is important. And so uh, I said, Billy, I'm going to call you back and see if you've changed your mind. I said, I'm not going to give up. <clears throat> well, I called back a day or two later, and his wife, Pat, answered the phone. And I explained who I was and, and uh, that I wanted Billy to come to OU to see the campus and, and uh, let us talk to him about this job. And she said, when can we be there? And so um, I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I'd like to come up there. She said, everything I've got's rusted. She was in uh, Beaumont. So Billy comes up and you know, he's got a job and he's very, you know, cautious because he didn't want it to get out that he was coming up here to talk to us. So they come, they fly in and the next morning, in the paper, Daily Oklahoman has a picture of Billy walking down the uh, from off the plane, you know. And so, well, the cat's out of the bag. Well, anyway, uh, they got he was talking to Richard Bell, who was the chairman of the board, and and uh, anyway, I don't know. Billy can talk about it here soon if he wants to, but I know they told him they said. Billy, if you take this job, you're going to get the same salary as Barry Switzer. 
didn't they? And so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, it was <laughs> well. Now, in, in they actually six, told me that I would get the same amount of money as my base salary that Barry Switzer was making. And keep in mind, Switzer was the finest coach, football coach in college at that time. And he was already making $49,500 a year in 1980. And I go, where do I sign? Because <laughs> I was already making 21000 where I was at Lamar. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, Tom. anyway, uh, we all just fell in love with Billy. Uh, he's always recruited some of the best kids in the country. Uh, they're, they're class people. They're, there's, there's no bad apples among them. Um, he he uh, created a, an excitement in Lloyd Noble. Uh, Ed Hightower was here for a lot of games, and, and uh, we'll get to we'll get to Ed in a second. Don't worry about that. Is that how you remember it? Um, kind of the thing that I remember about that particular spring. Uh, I was coaching Lamar, Lamar University, and. Uh, I really had a good team. We'd won the conference and we'd advanced to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. And the other thing that I remember about that particular year was we had played uh, the University of Oklahoma when I had a really good team at Lamar. Terry Stotts' team, John McCullough and all those guys, we had played them. Uh, and I guess, it, Terry, it was your junior year when you won the Big 8 Conference Championship. And we came in here 6-0 uh, and or something like that. We really thought we had a good team. And, and uh, OU uh, set the school scoring record against us with a whopping 111 points, I think. They, that was the most OU had ever scored at that so, time. It's the only time and we they, broke 100 they, while I was there. Pardon? It's the only time we broke 100 when I was at OU was against your team. Okay, way to go. The, uh, <laughs> And, but anyway, so I'm thinking, and in, so I'm seeing Stotts and all those guys leaving, and I've got this really good team coming back at Lamar. And John Underwood is uh, one of the assistant coaches, and I called John during the season because I think, boy, now I still got this same Lamar team coming back, and I can whip their butt. So I called John, and I. Get, schedule a game with the uh, University of Oklahoma for the 1980-81 season. And um, so Oklahoma's on the radar just as a potential game. And I, and I had turned down the Tulsa University job uh, that spring uh, during the NCAA tournament. And then I heard from Tom and as I recall, I was going to the National Junior College Tournament to recruiting to see the National Junior College Tournament that year. And I flew in and I met Tom in the airport in Oklahoma City and we had a nice discussion. And uh, I would say at this time that uh, the success that we had here, I, I credited a lot of people, but two people really in, uh, in general was uh, Tom McCurdy uh, because uh, he was on the Board of Regents, was a powerful guy going on the Board of Regents because he was going to be there for seven years and he was going to give me everything I wanted. And uh, that was a key factor. He was really a big help and in the success that we had at the program. Another was Jan Lane Warner 
who was really involved in Oklahoma basketball at that time, but those were two of the key people. I did come in and interview, um, went back home, uh, really wasn't thinking about taking the Oklahoma job, and Oklahoma called me. I was in Houston recruiting, and they finally caught up with me. They called Pat. Pat told them where she thought I was, and they finally found me in Houston at about midnight and said, offered me the job. Uh, it was a hard decision because I really had a good team coming back at Lamar. And uh, a lot of people tell me, you don't want to go there. It's a football school. Don't go to Oklahoma because you're going to have a good program and a good team at Lamar. <clears throat> but anyway, they called me and they said they wanted a press conference the next day. And then that's when they made me this big, fabulous offer, <laughs> this big financial offer. Uh, that's more than, not quite what you're making now, Coach Kruger. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I had a few little perks and all that, and, and it worked out nice because I tripled my money. And I, I go, okay, I'll, I'll take the job at Oklahoma. And uh, we went in the next day, which was uh, August, uh, April the 1st, 1980, uh, and I took the job uh, at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, Pat had never uh, seen, Pat Tubbs uh, had never been on the OU campus. And then uh, Tommy Tubbs is a senior at Forest Park High School in Beaumont, and I think my daughter Taylor was probably in maybe the seventh grade or something like that. And I don't know that they were probably aware of it until they read it in the paper. So I, I went from Houston to Norman, Oklahoma, uh, accepted the job that day, and uh, then the rest is history. Coach, how was that first year? Pardon? How was that first year? How was that first year? Of you, yeah. Was it uh, good or? Well, getting back to it, it was, I thought it was not really a good year. <laughs> uh, Coach. Because we won nine games. It didn't take me long to figure out that Switzer was more important than I was because he was a big hero in Oklahoma, and that first year he only won two more games than I did. <laughs> he won 11, I won nine, and everybody liked him more than they liked me. Uh, so uh, anyway, the first year was a building year. We knew it because all the guys that had left, uh, and also remember that the, uh, supposedly the best player that we had coming back was Raymond Whitley. Uh, who was an outstanding player on that team. Uh, yes, Badge, you were uh, a player coming back. <laughs> and uh, the... Uh, Man. But, no respect, no respect. But, uh, and remember, uh, Juice blew his Achilles tendon in a dummy scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, we weren't even going full contact. We were dumbing the offense, and he made a cut and blew his Achilles tendon. But I thought we, I, I've always said this, and, and I truly believe it. If Dave Bliss had been the coach with that same bunch of players that I inherited, we won nine games. I'd say he probably would have won 15. I honestly believe that because that was the, t he had, we inherited the type of players that he had recruited and what he was looking for. And we were looking for something a little different like we were looking for guys that could make shots. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Remember, I said, I said when I took, I said when I took the job, which was true. I said, first year we're going to run and shoot. The next year we're going to run and make them. So, <laughs> which was pretty much true, and. Uh, and also, if you remember, I thought the big thorn in our side was not only that game that I had scheduled with Lamar came in and beat me that year. And, uh, I, and I told Terry Stotts before this and really happened, Lamar comes in to play me, the game I've scheduled because we can beat Oklahoma. And I really paid more attention to Lamar because I'm a Lamar grad and Lamar on the scoreboard is what catches my attention. And we had the ball with, we get the ball with less than a minute to go in the game. And I go four corners. And Mike Newell, my assistant, goes, Coach, why are we going four corners? And I said, we're going to protect this damn lead. And he said, Coach, we're not ahead. And, <laughs> well, I looked up on the scoreboard and Lamar was ahead 61 to 60. So I thought I was going, and, and Lamar beat us. But I thought the real thorn in our side that year was when the Ohio Northern Polar Bears. I don't want to hear that. Uh, I don't either, but it yeah. happened. It's true. Uh, came in and beat us. They don't even have scholarships. And uh, Mike Treps came in after that the, they kicked our butt. And I'm sitting there kind of in desperation. And he said, I'm really glad that you're our coach. And I said, I'm really glad that I'm not going to be the coach. If you fire my ass, because you're probably going to after this. And he said, no, we're going to keep you for a couple more games. And uh, that's some of the, my things of that. But we had some things loaded up coming in the next year. We had brought in David Little from Texas Tech, who can make shots. And we brought, we had big time Jones who could, he could almost do a full lap around the track uh, <laughs> without falling out. And uh, remember those mile runs that we used to have and, and all of that. And, uh, but we had big time and we had, uh, we had David Little and then we had, we had some really good assistant coaches that, uh, that did a good job in recruiting. So the first year was um, basically what you call a rebuilding job. I remember, okay, we, we traveled to Kansas State and we had six guys that were eligible. And you know, everybody here remembers layups? When you, and usually you have 12 guys. We had six guys, so it was three on one side, three on another, and you were just, you know, it was rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. But anyway, we, uh, Billy, you know, it was pretty funny. Billy said, okay, Badge, how many guys can be on the court at once? And I said, go, okay, there's two forwards, there's two guards, and there's a center. So five, coach, five. Yeah, so that was the right answer, correct? So anyway, <laughs> good job, Badge. <laughs> hey, we can beat these guys. Five on the court at once, so we got them. So uh, get your head out of here. I won't say it, and uh, we can we can handle them. Of course, we got trounced, but uh, I fouled out, so we almost went down with four guys that game. Well, not only that badge, but we only had one player that could go in the game. Billy already had two technical fouls. He t he took too long to decide who to put in. Got his third tee, 
<laughs> and I'm the, I'm the only assistant coach that had the guts to travel with that team. And, and at halftime, at halftime, they're telling him as we walk to the locker room, the officials are going, you better get him ready because he's going to coach him in the second half. He had two tees in the first half. Wow. Well, he gets the third tee, and they come over there, and they said, we're not going to do that to him. You're going to have to watch this and made him stay. He walks by me and says, who do you think we ought to put in? I said, I don't know. He asked the guy behind the bench. And they come over there and said, that's, you've taken too long to put him in. You only got one. But Let's talk about uh, first impressions. The first time you met Billy, either being recruited or Coach Kruger, I'd like to start with you, played against him. First impression of Billy Tubbs? Well, I was an assistant for the first two years and then went away and uh, was a Pan American for four and then came back as a head coach at Kansas State in 86. And uh, was a young, young guy. And, and I remember uh, before we even played the season, we went to the Big Eight at that time coaches meeting. And uh, I was a young, naive guy and I'm excited about being in there. And, and uh, the whole meeting was Billy Tubbs, Norm Stewart, uh, Johnny uh, Ort at Iowa State, telling stories. You know, th this was our Big Eight coaches meeting. And I'm thinking we're going to go over there, we're going to talk about some things that are really, really important. But those guys get started. And, uh, but, you know, you think about a league of those names, you know, it's pretty impressive and pretty powerful. And, and uh, the misconception that people had of Billy's teams, of course, and you guys know it sitting here, his teams, were really good defensively. You know, I mean, I know people scored points against him. They scored points against him because there were so many possessions in a ball game. But when you prepared for Oklahoma, you know, you spent more time worrying about getting the ball up the floor, worrying about getting into your offense, worrying about running things, than really stopping them because they were really good defensively. Also, there aren't many eras that have the genuine love and support for an era like Oklahoma's got for this one. So you guys are part of something really unique and you're sometimes so close to it you don't fully appreciate that but this is special and old Billy's at the heart of that. I, I, I gotta tell a story about media perspective when they first hired Billy he's on the podium there April Fools and he goes we're gonna have Oklahoma a team that's gonna contend for a national championship I go they have just hired a coach with a serious drug problem <laughs> <laughs> Because basketball was not good. Now, Terry C won a Big A championship, one Big A championship. That was the history of OU basketball then. And then he's up there saying, oh, yeah, we're going to contend for a national championship. That was believable, Billy. Actually, what I said, Al, is that we would win conference championships. We would contend for number one in the nation and be number one in the nation, and we would be in the final four. That was basically what we came in to do, and that was basically what we were selling and what we thought we could do uh, with this program. And I think one thing that we, we had a lot of good reasons to have success at OU, and we're probably off the subject, you were asking first impressions, but with uh, what Al brought up, uh, I think we came in with a game plan uh, at, at what we wanted to do and really felt like we c could do it, uh, and that was uh, to play our style of basketball. But I think the thing that said, as I look around at coaching in general, 
uh, in not only basketball and football and everything else. What we did, we came in with a game plan. We came in with an offensive scheme. We came in with a defensive scheme. Uh, we came in with what we wanted to do with the program and what we felt like we could do. And most of you guys that, that have been recruited have heard this, it was, and it was true. Uh, but we needed players to fit the schemes that we wanted to run. And when I said that maybe Coach Bliss would have won more games than we did, that's probably true because the players that we inherited that year were players that he had his scheme, as you'd probably agree, was entirely different than our scheme. And so we were trying to recruit players that could fit our scheme. And so what we were doing was basically a carryover of what I had been doing at other universities, and especially at Lamar University. We brought the same system, same offensive schemes, the same defensive schemes, uh, and with the same idea of uh, what we wanted to recruit. I remember we had a, a, an assistant coach here by the name of Mike Newell that was a good recruiter. Mike Mims came along a couple of years later who did a great job for us. Then Jim Kerwin came in and did a great job. Mike uh, Anderson was here with me the whole time and did a great job. And, and it's really critical that you not only have a good staff, but uh, your, your staff doesn't always buy into what you're doing, and it's critical that your staff buys into what you're doing. You got Your players have to buy into what you're doing, but your staff has to buy in, and they have to, one, understand what kind of players you need, okay? And uh, we were very fortunate for that to happen, and as I said, we had great support from Tom McCurdy and, and all of those guys. And uh, my first impression, since we get back to that subject, was that this thing will work. Even though in going back to the first year where we struggled a little bit, uh, we had some makings of some players. And, and I thought more of the lack of success we had in the first year to what we were trying to do that the guys couldn't adapt to it that quick or didn't fit the schemes. And, you can, we had a choice, or I had a choice of either saying, okay, we can't run this scheme with these players, uh, so let's change schemes. No, we were gonna say, this is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna make this work, and we're gonna bring the players in. So the players that could play and could adapt to that scheme, they're getting into it, and then we bring players in to fit the scheme like the Tommy Tubbses of the world <laughs> and the people like that. And um, so, and, and that first year I was trying to buy into being politically correct. And that I, went away quickly, yes, it did. I, I couldn't buy into that. And uh, we, we wanted players that were a little cocky. Uh, you know, I remember watching Tim McAllister play, uh, who was, uh, Mike Newell recruited and did a great job. And what I look for in a lot of players, the, the first thing that I saw in Tim McAllister before he ever shot a ball or did anything, and I went to see an all-star game that Alford was playing. You remember that, Timmy? And I just liked the way he walked on the floor. I mean, he walked on the floor presenting an air of confidence and I'm the best, I'm really good type of guy. 
And that's what we were looking for, people that thought they were really good and wanted to be really good. I think first impressions was an understatement of cockiness. It, with, uh, with Coach Tubbs, it's like, this guy wants to take on the world. And then it's like, his mouth. I mean, he will cuss <laughs> and, just, and, just, and just put it out there. He wanted to fight every coach. Oh, he wanted to fight every coach that we played. Yeah, what, what, what? So we're coming to the locker room, coming to the locker room, you know how it is. Circle the wagons, haze in the barn, get bright eyed, bushy tail. And so I'm saying, okay, so we got this guy who's kind of gangster, want to go out and kick everybody's butt, but then he comes in with this country farm analogy. So like, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure this, this out. But he had you got to believe. It was almost like, gosh, we got to go out and really do something. He's going to go out there and fight these coaches well, every, himself. Every pregame, you know, he's already whipped. Yeah, oh, he's gone. He's already whipped Jack Hartman. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 You think Jack Hartman's run three miles this morning? By God, yeah. I've already run three miles. What was it? What did he do? Let me let me add. I'm going out there yeah. kick his ass yeah. right now. Ted Owens, Ted Owens ain't got After y'all beat him, hey, give me a chance. I'll go out there and yeah. kick him in the nuts. Okay. <laughs> And then he'd say, then he'd remember, you know, even later in the, in the time when uh, we had William and, and Wayman around, they'd say, he, he would hit him that their dad was a preacher, and he'd say, William, would you lead the prayer? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that was probably the most memorable. Every coach that would come in to recruit always wanted to pray, and uh, Coach Tubb never wanted to pray, and when we did pray, he never closed his eyes. And, <laughs> My, yeah, my, my, I didn't close my eyes. I was always the watch out guy for who was all praying correctly, and he was in correct prayer. And, and my father said, well, you can trust him because he kept his eyes open the whole time doing prayer. <laughs> my first impression was I came from JUCO, and back then, I mean, now you see everybody walk in with the big guard, but I don't think many people like you, Coach, on the road. Because you was the first one I saw walk in with police. People come in. I mean, I'd never seen that. He was the first guy. They didn't do that much then. You had state trooper travel with you. That was at games, not when I recruited you, did I? <laughs> South Dallas. I'll yeah. tell you what. Before, before a game, we were the loosest team. You know, we would shoot half-court shots. We would kick. Coach would stand at half-court and try to kick the ball in half-court. This is how we used to do half court before the games in Columbia, Missouri. We would kick half court balls and coach would be out there with us shooting half court balls. Then we would leave the balls everywhere and walk out. <laughs> it, was, it was all about owning real estate. Owning estate, yep. Real estate, let's, get, real let's, estate let's go, let's go own it. Going up to Syracuse, let's go own it. Let's take Syracuse away from them. Let's take no, it I think most of the country loved us, but who always gets us in trouble? This little bitty guy with a double-breasted suit was more arrogant than all his players. I mean, the dude would just, we would show up in the city, and we ain't said nothing but everybody booing us. And it'd be from one little well, bitty guy. The, let me explain it to you, Skeeter. Uh, <laughs> that's because we were kicking their ass. Yeah, but Nobody you, likes you. Do you think, for example, do you think that the people in Texas love Oklahoma football. You think they love Bob Stewart? When you beat people, they don't really like you. Uh, and if you get your ass beat, well, they're going to send a cab for you to get you. You know, they're going to take care of you. And we didn't want that. But you and, rubbed it 
Huh? You, you really put a lot of pressure on I did. Like with the mittens? <laughs> Yo, you no, the mittens? I wasn't. Pressure right. over mittens? We remember the mittens, coach? What? You remember the mittens up at KU? <laughs> hey, that was Chew Kennedy that put... That was Chew Kennedy that did this deal right here. I was trying to get married to Kansas. No, it's like Coach Kruger said. It's like you said, Coach Kruger. People really think the Big Eight was straight football. They didn't know how intense and competitive you guys were. It, it wasn't our fault. I mean, we show up in your city. You already got us strong enough mentally that we are going to really come in here and kick your butt. But don't say that before we even start. I mean, who know us in Nashville? When we got to Nashville, uh, I don't know why you guys keep sending us to these one-horse towns. Okay, we're done now. No, we're done. Now we got to play extra hard. And, and, and refs like Hightower, coach is 22nd, give him a break. <laughs> well, you know, the whole thing, you know, Billy changed the face of college basketball. It, no question about it, uh, you know, and Lon hit it right on the uh, nose. Uh, referees, when they knew they had Oklahoma, we're talking pregame and we talked you got to make sure that you referee defense. You know, the, the other teams will be talking about Oklahoma and offense. We're talking about defense. I mean, the reaching. You scored the preponderance of your points on defense, and people didn't really see that. But as far and, and this guy right here, he could be beating a team 40 points, and you would want to let up. You, you want to let up. You missed that call. How can you? you, you <laughs> Billy, Billy, just settle down. Well, you, you know, and that was him. You know, he just, I mean, from for 40 minutes out there, you were in a fight. And I mean, and, and that was a, that's a compliment. Billy Tubbs, for 40 minutes, you knew that you could not let up. And God forbid you're sitting in a, a young referee with this guy. I got to tell this quick story. It's a true story, and I won't give you the name of the official. He was cocky. He was arrogant. And uh, we're in pregame, and I'm telling him, look, don't get caught down in that corner with Billy Tubbs. <laughs> uh, if he messed with me, I'm going to, you know, take care of him. Okay. We're right out here, and I mean, this kid is cocky. Billy knows him well, and he made the mistake of getting beyond the 28-foot line, and Billy starts to walk him down to the end line, and now he can't get out. <laughs> and he doesn't have the guts to stick Billy, and we're not going to come over there and help him out. And we're sad, Billy humbled this kid. And Billy, I mean, ripped him, tore him apart. But I'll tell you what, Billy was a bulldog. And, that, and I don't mean that bad. What the game was over, it was over. But you knew coming in that you were going to be in a fight for 40 minutes and you had to work your butt off and you have to be in shape. And, I, and I, you changed basketball.
game is 40 minutes long, and it's supposed to be played hard and exactly like it's supposed to be played for 40 minutes, and it makes no difference what the score is. Uh, and so, regardless who you have in the game, um, you've got to play hard. And so there's a certain time that you quit looking at the clock. You know, when you're 50 ahead, then you don't watch the clock much. And so, but regardless of who you have in the game, you want them to perform exactly right. And it is, it is a fight until it's over. And that's the way I looked at games. It's, it is war. It is basically war. Uh, and you really, you know, in World War II, we really didn't like the people we were fighting against. If you y'all don't remember, but you didn't like them, and that's the way I I didn't like the people we played against. I didn't like anybody, and I really didn't. I was never in a popularity contest, so I was never going to try. I really didn't care whether anybody liked me or not. And, uh, and I don't care. Remember, do y'all remember what you were supposed to do? The real key, a lot of people ask me this question, how do you keep all those guys happy? And I go, it's not my job to keep them happy. And my idea was this, that every night, everybody in my organization, every night or every morning when they wake up, they wake up and they go, what could I do today to make Billy happy? And then when you go to bed every night, you go, what did I do today to make Billy happy? Because if I'm happy, it's going to be a wonderful deal. But if I'm pissed, now that changes the whole game, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so it really, it, it, was, it was a game of war. And it was, as we said, take no prisoners, play the game. Now, let me go back and say where I think my coaching philosophy was a little different. It was probably the way I grew up and I was taught. Uh, nothing ever came free. You had to work hard for everything. But I was a real fan of, of the teams that won. Uh, I loved the New York Yankees. Uh, I liked UCLA when they were kicking everybody's butt. I loved that. I loved Walton. I loved uh, Jabbar. I loved all the people that were stars. And I loved the star system where, let's say like Coach Knight's not exactly, he's the star and he doesn't recruit stars. I wanted stars. And I thought, because I grew up in Texas, Oklahoma, and what I understood people really want, and I'm a, a typical football fan, say, at Oklahoma, and I grew up being an OU football fan. But you want to see, and let's say football, for example, I wanted to see somebody, and I want to see that back when they were running the ball a lot, I wanted to see those guys that could run for 1,500 yards, the Billy Sims, the Billy Vessels, all those guys. That, that I really liked that. And then I, I did not want to sweat out a win. I wanted them to kick their ass because that's what the fans want. And fans want stars. They want excitement, and that's what we were trying to bring them. I got a story about, about Coach Tubbs. Uh, in the 88 season, we, were, weren't, we came in the season not ranked because we lost a great senior class. And, you know, we weren't even picked in the, the top eight. I think we were dead last in the big eight. And we were playing Centenary College out of Louisiana, and I think we rang up about 152 points on them. And I remember the players as we were playing, we were killing them. And I remember the players like, man, are y'all going to stop beating us like this, man? Y'all going to get out the game? And we were scoring, and we, and we came over to the sideline. 
And we were kind of feeling sorry for him. And we thought we were going to come out of the game like, okay, about eight minutes to go in the game. We didn't, we didn't put 60 on these dudes. Just come out of the game. So one of the players in the timeout walked down on the floor and said, hey, uh, hey, coach, uh, can you call off the dogs? And so Tubbs looked over and said, call off the dogs? He's like, y'all staying in the game. We're going to show them what Greyhounds is all about. Run up the score. Run up the score. So at the end of the game, now we beat him. I think we beat him by 68. So at the end of the game, we're shaking hands, and, you know, we kind of feeling bad, but we got our numbers up, so we didn't really care. Why were you so, feeling bad? So, yeah, so, so the coach was, remember, the coach was going to try to shake his hand, wanted to fight him. <laughs> wanted to fight Coach Tubbs. Coach Tubbs was like, you're just a sore loser, and walked off. And, I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that we had to endure as players. But I tell you what, there was no better feeling. Like when he said, turn up the heat in Lord Noble, and we're going to press you as soon as you get off the bus. Right. That's when you knew it was time to get it on, baby. And we, and we, we got hyped. We got hyped. <laughs> Great coach to play for. And Stacy, after played. that game, the secondary coach goes, Billy's not somebody who asks to go fishing with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Hey, what was the temperature in there when we played UNLV? About 110. <laughs> About 110 in there. Hey, hey, the real bond, the real bond, I think, why everybody's so close, kind of like what Coach Kruger said, and my first impression is coming out to that track, Getting ready. To, yeah, we all did it, right? Wow. I did it for five years. We're still, still looking for DJ. Yeah. Hey. Hey. hey, I never understood. I never understood in basketball why right. you had to run a marathon. But, but here's you why. You run up and down the court. You don't run marathons. But, you run up but, and down hey, the court. Hey, that track, that track bit, it, it built mental toughness, and it brought us all together. It made us believe we could go anywhere and win. And I remember the first time we're out there, I'm like, I'm thinking we're getting ready to stretch, right? He said, you got a warm-up mile, a warm-up mile in six minutes. I'm like, a warm-up mile? That, that's what built us together. Warm-up mile in six minutes at 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, 10 100s, then another warm-up or where a mile in six minutes, cool down mile in less than six minutes. And that's called a gut check, right, coach? Yeah, yeah. So after doing that for six weeks, kids nowadays won't do it. No, I coach now, and, and that makes you mentally tough. That separates you from everybody else. So whether we realize it or not, we, we believe we were the best conditioned team in America. And um, well, one, one thing, Terry, I want to what interject into that is you got to realize all, all of us played in a conference that was dominated by Kansas State, Missouri, and Kansas. And you come into an environment, you gotta, you gotta overtake those guys. And so it started with Coach Anderson on the track. I remember guys saying, we didn't come here to run track. You know, I mean, I remember, I remember seeing a, a buggy coming with DJ on the backside going, we're, we're running. I, yeah, where, where is DJ? I got the ride in Coach uh, Tell's Mercedes for that. He gave me a ride to the uh, training room. <laughs> He gave me a ride to the training room. That's right. At the bushes, That's right. He was dead high for two laps in the bushes and then pop back out. <laughs> but you, hey, but you got you got to realize these guys right here in 1979, they won a Big Eight championship. It was the first one won since 1947. 1947, and so that kind of laid the the groundwork. I think when you took the job, you said Dave Bliss showed it could be done. Well, going back to DJ, <laughs> uh, I thought that was a, 
an interesting event because we had the deal and and coach and you remember this where things have changed now you don't and we wouldn't have been putting going out on that track but that was the only thing we could do we could work you out we couldn't it couldn't even go in the gym and watch you play pickup so we had to do something and we want our idea was to be in the best shape of any team in america on october the 15th when we started practice well to go to practice that first practice you had to run the mile in six minutes okay and if you didn't run it in six minutes then you didn't get to go to practice until you could run it in six minutes and so we're all out there running but it's dark because we're running at dark time early in the morning and and coach anderson and coach mims and everybody's checking off people when they come by and all of a sudden them are going dj ain't come by <laughs> dj ain't come by lately hey dj didn't come by again and and then we go hey have y'all seen DJ and, and Chew, I think, or somebody go, yeah, he's laying down there dead on the track, down on that end. And, and I, we go down there and, oh, he was passed out. Yeah, well, he claims, he claims that he got to ride in the Mercedes. We couldn't get him in the Mercedes. We had to pick him up and put him on the hood. Hey, he looked like a damn deer. Looked like we'd been elk hunting. Hey. We, we had a manager up there holding him he on the car, not, and we drove him to the train. He room. was over the hood of that baby, and I thought he was seriously hurt. And that was one of the greatest fakes I have ever seen. <laughs> I was going to say, he wasn't hurt. Hey. He was not hurt. He stayed in the infirmary for about two days. The game was, we led the nation every year in scoring, and hey, DJ? Hey, man, I was a scorer. How did we do that? We was in, we was in good shape, I must admit. I've never seen it in against since then, but we were in good shape. It's like Coach Kruger said, man, that big eight, those coaches, and he was probably the shortest one. <laughs> you know, you had, like you said, Norm, Larry, Johnny Orr, Mr. Orr. But this little bitty dude has so much fight in him. <laughs> I used to say, man, this dude, this, 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 this dude here has so much, but he was, he was smooth with it. He was cocky with it, but he was really, he put a lot of pressure on us. But, you know, going back to where you're talking about me getting us in trouble, right? Okay. Hey, you remember while I was um, in the hospital and you, and y'all got your ass beat by Kansas here that time, oh, they remember? They got their ass beat. Yeah. You didn't get your ass beat. They got their ass beat. I was in the hospital. Oh, you were in the hospital. Okay, okay. Okay, I, right. I, I get clipped by the car, okay? David Little, Bo and those guys. But if you remember, that was when in the first round the uh, high seeds would host the game. Remember that? And then only four teams went to Kansas City. And... Um, Kansas comes in here and beats us, all right? And you know what they do after the game? They cut down the nets, okay? Big deal. So they cut down the nets. Then the next year, if you remember, then we go to Kansas. We are playing, and we have their ass beat, okay? So then Chew goes to Mike Newell and says, Coach, because we're playing for what? The ring. the ring. So Chew goes and gets the ring on, Okay. <laughs> And he's running around doing this. Okay. To, and not to my knowledge, because 
the member of the team kind of surrounded me because they were trying to jump over the team to hit me. The fans, those wonderful fans at Kansas, you know, they're so damn nice. And um, so anyway, the next morning I come to the office and they go, Mr. Wade Walker is in there. And Wade Walker says, uh, you got a problem? I go, really? What is it? And he said, one of your boys did an obscene gesture. And I go, really? Chew Kennedy. So I called Chew in, giving him an inspirational talk about obscene gestures because he didn't do it exactly right. So I bring him in, <laughs> give him. I did the political. Anyway, Chew says he didn't do it; that he was doing this, and surprisingly, television confirms that he was doing this. By the way, the thing that Kansas fans get pissed off because. I didn't do this, but the team decided, remember that was when, after you scored, the clock ran, and we scored with, or they were shooting, we were shooting a free throw, they inbound the ball, and our guys are down there on the, Tim McAllister instigates it, they're all down on the free throw line with their arms around each other while Kansas is coming back, and we don't care whether they score or not, because we have the game one, and we have the conference one. Okay, so, then we do what? I didn't say go cut the nets down. Our guys go cut the nets down, right? So, and then Kansas are going, y'all cut down the nets at our place and go bullshit. Y'all cut them down at our place the year before, right? So now you're telling me that I got y'all's ass in trouble. It, look, that was Chew that got us in trouble on that. Well, one, well remember so. we were leaving the floor. We had the nets, and one of the fans, one of the Kansas fans, tried to snatch the nets, and Chuck took the net. And you said, "I can't believe that guy jumped in front of your moving fish, Chuck." <laughs> 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 well, but, but, but remember, we got one more game to play to wrap the conference title up, okay? And since nobody can understand which finger is up and which finger is down, remember with one minute to go in the game, we pass out mittens that you can only put this finger up. Remember, so we had the mittens on that night. Yeah. Did, did we start in the game with that or start the game with it? No. <laughs> Near the end. At the end, we, everybody on the bench put the mittens on. So, But you took that from Chu because the next year, my junior year, member states, he told us, now I'm not telling you all to do the middle finger, but we are the ring. <laughs> this is his favorite line. I want to shake that guy's head, but I want to squeeze the blood out of his ass. Dude, why are you? Hey, dude, it's a game. That's how competitive he made it for us. Well, day in and day out. I mean, you couldn't show up here and be soft. First no, of all, the football team wasn't soft. We had to battle football day in, day out. Day in and out. I lived in Bud Wilkesville. I was dealing with the football players every day. Like, a couple of these guys, they went and ran away from me. You know, they lived off campus, but I stayed with all them, so we had to fight. It was a battle. Well, we was battling for who's the bomb on the campus? Basketball. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with us tonight. I think we're going to have fun. We are here tonight to talk about and to honor the maestro of one of the most entertaining eras 
and entertaining programs in college basketball history, Billy Tubbs. And I want to start by talking about the recruitment of Wayman, and then all of you can chime in about how good he was. I'll start it. <laughs> the, uh, when I took the job at OU, and maybe Al uh, was the guy that told me, said, boy, there's really a good player over in Tulsa. Uh, really? Yeah. And, of course, I'd never heard of him, and I'd heard of uh, the price in, in uh, uh, Enid. I'd heard about some other players, but I actually hadn't heard about Wayman. And, you know, as a coach, you always hear about all these great players that are actually not great players. And, and I, but I mentioned earlier that we had a scheme. And in order for our scheme to work, the run, one really critical position, and the players should remember that, in order for our scheme game, if you remember one game, it was really critical that you had somebody in the five position, which was the low block player uh, that could score. And it came off of, and I think it's kind of extinct today, but it came off of a turnaround jump shot. And at Lamar University, I'd had a guy that was perfect on the block with turnaround jump shot. I played in college, in junior college, in fact, and this is where I picked it up with a guy that was the leading scorer in the nation that played on the block, averaged about 35 a game. And my job in college, uh, I always said that I probably made him All-American because he averaged 34 points a game, but 18 of them were off of my missed shots. And uh, so I needed somebody that could score it from that block, and that's where I picked it up. And so I go over to see Wayman play. And Wayman is obviously the perfect guy for that position. So it's like, we really need to get that guy. So that started the recruitment uh, of Wayman. Now, in the meantime, in watching their team play, they have this guy named William Tisdale that's on the team. And William is a really great player, a very fine player, and we were very fortunate to get William. Uh, unfortunately for William, uh, I think William could be one of the great players in, in the history of the game in Oklahoma. But in the spring, after we had signed William Tisdale, he blew his knee in a pickup game. He never really fully recovered from that, in my opinion. Uh, but he came in. Uh, we honored his scholarship. He came in. We really thought he would get well, but he really never did. And, uh, uh, he, but he was, as I said, wasn't a token player. He was a great player in high school. And I, I thought he was kind of an in-between guy where wasn't sure whether he could play the three or the four, but someplace in there he would play. Now, fortunately, he has this brother named Wayman. And so we do get William. Uh, William struggles as a, a freshman with that knee, but we recruit. Uh, that was my number one project that year was to recruit uh, Wayman Tisdale. Actually, I recruited him for two years, I guess it was. Uh, uh, William's senior year, which I was recruiting William, and then uh, Wayman's senior year. That was our number one project, to say that here's a guy that would be perfect for our offense and our defensive scheme because he had the shot. Now, if you look back at the history of the OU program or, or my teams in general, uh, when we had great players in that position, we had great teams. Uh, now, there were other positions, obviously, that were just as important, but when you couldn't score from that position, 
you're in trouble. We had Stacy King on the 88 team that was great in that position. I had a guy named Kurt Thomas at TCU that did a great job. I had a guy named Lee Nalen that did a great job. But basically, we were an inside-oriented team, and we not only needed those that five position to be really good, which Wayman fit, but we also needed some really good four men, which we wound up having a lot of good four men in that. But the uh, the, the ball really went mostly to the five. So I was on Wayman night and day uh, for two years. Now, William can tell you and Regina can tell you more about his thought, Wayman's thoughts and everything. I, I went to church quite a bit. I, I damn near became a Baptist. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I, I was really a very, very light in the collection plate. Uh, you couldn't hear my donations. Going in. I always uh, remember uh, Reverend Tisdale. Uh, they took up uh, collection, I thought, strangely from any place that I'd been because instead of passing the plate around, you went up and passed the plate and <laughs> dropped your money in. And uh, uh, they did say one time it wasn't in good taste when I was doing this <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the collection plate. <laughs> Counting them off, baby. <laughs> and remember, recruiting was really great in those days, in my opinion, because there really there wasn't any rules uh, to speak of because you could see a guy as many times as you wanted to. You could go see a guy play as many times as you wanted to. You could call as many times you wanted to. You could go in the home as many times you wanted to. And the real deal was during a game, the parents obviously – uh, Mr. and Ms. Tisdale were at the games, but it was a fight to see who, what coaches could get in there first to sit by them during the game. And uh, so we went through all of that and uh, really worked hard and thought that that was really one of our top priorities. And so you guys kind of take it from there and tell me Before what William happened. Talks, uh, a, a lot of folks think that the only reason William was recruited to OU was so that you could get Wayman. In reality, this guy was the player of the year in the state of Oklahoma when he was a senior and Wayman was a junior. He beat his brother, and uh, this guy could play. And, well, I mean, remember, David, the guy that in practice, the guy that could guard Wayman with, Tisdale with, best was that's William. That's exactly right. Well, that's a brother thing. And I'm, I'm kind of grateful he, he did get hurt because, hell, I may never played. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that, when when coach came down to to recruit, Regina can can jump in here. Was coach coach uh, Bliss and coach Underwood. Coach Underwood came and and recruited us first. But when coach uh, Tubbs came down there, his ace in the hole was his brother uh, Wayne. And Wayne would go and Wayne would talk to my mother for 45 minutes, and my mother just fell in love with it. And so uh, you know a lot of schools were recruiting. Coach Tubbs was really recruiting both of us, but. Like you tell when schools like Alabama and Georgetown, offering on that Sunday was just great. I mean, I, you know, you just like offering would, 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 would grow 10 times the, <laughs> the amount on, on offering. And so we were sitting up there talking, and, and uh, uh, my mother, she looked at us one day. She said, well, what are you guys going to do? She said, I think you should go play for Coach Wayne Tubbs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so finally we said, well, no, you haven't met, uh, met Coach yet, Mom. He's going to come over a little bit later on. So when Coach, when, when Coach Tubbs came over that day, she was like, well, I don't know you, but I really like your brother. And, and, <laughs> and so 
we just kept going back and forth. But I think the thing my mother really liked was just the honesty that you, you, you had and that you shared about, you know, what was going to go on. And I think that after I tore my knee up, the very first thing I thought about, I was like, man, I'm getting ready to lose my scholarship, you know, because I hadn't, I hadn't enrolled in, uh, in OU yet. And so I think for us, when, when, when Coach honored that, you know, keeping that scholarship, and I don't think a lot of you really know, that meant, meant a whole lot. And, and while Wayman and I had an agreement that we were going to go to the same school, I really think that he was leaning toward going to Georgetown until he really saw the camaraderie we came through. I think that Stacy will tell you when he came on a recruiting trip, what we do? We wrestle you, we body slam you. We threaten Harvey, we, we threaten Harvey Grant, if you don't sign with us, because remember he had, he had committed to every school he had visited before he came here. <laughs> so we got him in that room and we, we threatened him. We told, we told Coach Young, we said, if you don't sign with us, we're going to jump on, we're going uh, to belly to belly suplex. You remember that? Game? So, yeah, that yeah, we were doing that Jimmy Superfly snooker. We would jump off of those. And so I, I really think that the thing that we picked up that, that, that Wayman and I really both felt was that, you know, we left Booker T. We had a family environment there. And, and I really think when, when, when uh, Wayman would come down and stay and visit him and Regina had just started, well, they've been dating, what, two years then? They would come down and, and Chuck and Bo, we'd have so much fun, but it was just that whole environment that we really had. And I think that I that was kind of, well, yeah, my, my, Chucky's nickname by my father was Cussing Chucky. He know <laughs> Chucky would sit up in church and just be cussing. He's like, hey, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so, so we'd go through that deal there, and so I think that, that was the whole deal that kind of started the whole vibe to going is that we felt comfortable going around, and there was a lot of other coaches, but at the end of the day, I think that that was the, the selling point. What would you say? I, I think so. I remember being at Booker T and Coach Katie, yeah. Coach, was the guy from Georgetown? Uh, J uh, Thompson. Yeah, I mean, so many of the guys being there, and I remember at one point my mother-in-law said, I mean, because uh, <laughs> I know Wayman had at least, I mean, over like 200 letters, people trying to recruit him, and I remember she was like, I'm so tired of this, and she just pulled the cover over her head. She's like, just make a decision, and so, and so he's like, well, mom, and I think we, did we leave town, and mm -hmm. we went, yeah, yeah, like we had money, how do we <laughs> do that? Anyway, we went to, <laughs> we, we left town, me, William, Wayman, and, mm -hmm. yeah. but, in, at any rate, we. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's going. We were, we were always third wheel. The three of us always had a rotating girlfriend during the time I was not settled. <laughs> I have a totally different story because when I came down for the recruiting visit, Coach, you was in the hospital, so I didn't get to meet you on my recruiting trip, I didn't meet you until actually I signed uh, with Oklahoma. I met William, William recruited me and, you know, Wayman. And so, you know, coach was down when I actually got recruited and kind of the players just took me in. And that's the reason I, uh, you know, I came here. You know, I didn't, I didn't even know coach, really. I don't, it, I don't it, think people really realize, I think I've told the story before. When Wayman came, we, we knew we were gonna be good because we had David and Chucky back on the wings. I was gonna be a fourth year player. Uh, we had some good players with experience and he was, the, he was the last piece to that puzzle. Well, you know, we did all of our preseason running and we did all that. Well, Wayman had hurt his foot. He had hurt his foot, had a stress fracture. Well, we never saw him. He couldn't, he couldn't really play pickup with us. He, he, wouldn't, he was never on the track. 
he was always in treatment. You know, he was always with Scott and those guys. And so this went on and on. October 15th came. He would be out there a little bit. He'd be out there a little bit. Well, I think we, we started in Vegas, right? We opened in Vegas. Right. We opened in Vegas. Wayman didn't even start. And we're plugging along there in the first half, and in comes Wayman. And now, remember, we hadn't really played with him that much, just a little bit. And, uh, you know, Chucky and Dave were going to shoot it. There was no question. So we, we, come down, we come down a couple times. We come down a couple times, and Wayman's feeling pretty good. And, and we, you know, we throw that ball inside to him. And, I mean, just boom, 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 quick turnaround, jump in, bank. Come down, play defense, come back. And I, I, was, I, was, I could figure this stuff out pretty quick. So instead of throwing it to these guys, I would clear them through. I would clear them through. Yeah. I would clear David through, and David would just be pissed off running through. And I'd throw it into Wayman, and he'd go boom, boom, left hand right off the bank. And next thing you knew, that was the first time that we really got to see him go. Remember they played, and they had Sidney Green. That's when Tark said that he yeah, was worth had, books and tuition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they had, what did they have? They had two, oh, two they had first a good round, team. they had Sidney Green, and they had, yeah. uh, and, and they beat us. No, no, no. That's no, no, no. Gil, 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 he was younger than that. Yeah. Uh, this was Sidney Green, and because uh, Sidney was a senior yeah. that year, and uh, they had, yeah, yeah, and that's, and, and uh, Wayman went out, and that was the very first game that he really got to. Well, they beat us right at the end. It was a good game right to the end. I thought they we beat, beat them. No, they no. beat us right at the end. Oh, man. But that's. But in that's my mind, when I thought his... we beat them. I thought it was just a beautiful win. Yeah. <laughs> but that's when his foot, that's when his foot got going better and started playing. No, I was going to say, to finish how he got here, I remember his father telling him, if you, I mean, he said you have all these accolades and everyone's saying you're this and that and the other. If you are as good as you say you are, and we were saying, oh, you is not a basketball team, well, go there. And, and he, you know, he told me, he said, Make, make a name for yourself there at a school that doesn't, I mean, supposedly isn't a basketball school. And I mean, so his father challenged him and that's, and that's how he ended up here. How did, how did Wayman feel about Billy? No, 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 you know what? I'll I, I tell you what, I, re, I mean, I remember him saying uh, that coach was very very funny and I mean he was hard but he was funny and he said we I mean we could get in the huddle and could be getting our butt kicked and he said and we're thinking he's gonna jump on us he said but just to uh, settle us down he'd tell a joke and when, you know I remember Wayman said he's telling a joke and so he said but it relaxed us and then we were able to go and then I mean, if we were behind we'd come back and we win the game so but he I mean he loved coach you know th there's one thing that y'all didn't that y'all didn't know that we had uh, on our trips, we had the Wayman rule that we put in and we used it throughout my, my years here. But remember those deals that we had said, okay, we're going on the trip, the bus is leaving at seven o'clock. Okay, if you're not on the bus, then baby, we're gone. We're not waiting for you. So then this was Coach Anderson's job was Coach, I would go in the office and Coach Anderson would go out to the bus. And then his, Coach Anderson's job was to tell me when Wayman was on the bus. <laughs> and then 
then, I, then I'd come out and get on the bus and we'd leave. Oh, we had, that, that rule followed some other guys. Hey, one, one thing, and I wish I'd have mentioned it when Coach Cougar was here in, in talking about recruiting. Uh, the way we came about DJ, I'm in the, air, I'm in the uh, lounge or the bookstore in the Marriott Hotel in Los Angeles, and Lon Kruger's coming in. And so, you know, it's, hi, Coach, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And we're out there, both of us are out there recruiting. And I go, uh, how's recruiting going? And, uh, I, and he says, oh, recruiting's going good. I go, who y'all in on, blah, blah, blah. And he mentioned, we're in on this. We, I think we're going to get this kid from Wyandotte in Kansas City. I go, who's that? And he goes, David Johnson. I said, what, what about him? I had never heard of him. He goes, what about him? And he goes, oh, he's about 6'8", uh, big kid, comes to our camp. We really like him. And that was a thing that I learned. And I, we always told our, our assistant coaches, never tell anybody who you're recruiting. Never, ever tell anybody who you're recruiting. And because that tipped us off, Coach actually gave us a clue. And I, and I come back to Mims and, uh, and, say, and Mike Newell. I think those were the two guys that, were, that really signed you. And uh, I said, hey, there's a kid up Wyandotte. We need to check him out, blah, blah, blah. And that's how we got onto you and, and wound up getting you, which was a great move for us because we talked about the five position, but we had the four position, which Chew played and DJ played and so many guys, Harvey Grants and the guys like that and the Steve Bajamas and the guy like it. You played that once, I think. And... <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, that's that's how we got on to you, DJ. Stacy, tell us about your recruitment. Uh, you know what? Uh, Oklahoma uh, wasn't even in, they were in my top five. I was going to Maryland. I had already committed verbally to Maryland, and uh, and you know, Coach Tubbs said, "Jay, give me a chance," and he gave me the spiel. And I followed Wayman. I mean, I was a big Wayman Tisdale fan. And I, used, I came to all the basketball games growing up. And um, I remember seeing Chucky Barnett play and, and Bo Overton and David Little. All these guys, I saw big time Jones. Um, and, and I kind of wanted to play. Oh, you wasn't good at that time. It was Tulsa Hurricanes under Nolan Richardson. Uh, they were the team of Oklahoma, fast, running gun team. And I was looking forward to going to play for him. And then he went to Arkansas, and I didn't want to go to Arkansas. So Oklahoma kind of was there. And then Wayman kept putting up all these crazy numbers. And I remember Coach Tubbs telling me, he's like, hey, if you like to shoot, you're a big man, you like to shoot, we're going to get you to rock. And no other coach told me that. You know, every other coach told me, like, you can fit in, we see you envision you here. But no one ever told me that I was going to get the ball and shoot anytime I want to. So I was kind of like, man. But my mom didn't like Coach Tubbs, though. Um, <laughs> That's a my fact. Mom, <laughs> my mom, my mom I, made, I made a huge mistake. I took my mom to, on a trip to Maryland. And she got a chance. They kind of wind her and dined her about, you know, you know, on Sundays, all the players meet at the house. And she fell in love with all that. I saw some things behind the scenes. I, I hung out with Lynn Bias. And, it, and the really the coolest thing about going to other campuses and every star player wanted to know about Wayman Tisdale. You know, Lynn Bias, first thing he said, he said, man, he goes, man, is Wayman Tisdale that real? He's like 60 points in the game. All these star players, every trip I wanted to go on, always talked about Wayman Tisdale. And so when I came back, my mom, I, my mom said, you're going to Maryland. And I was like, 
I had a little doubt, and I had a girlfriend. I, I really I followed a girl to Oklahoma. That's the only reason why Coach Tuss got me to Oklahoma, because my high school girlfriend, I was going to take her with me. You remember? I was going to take her with me. Wherever school I was, we had a package deal. If Wherever I went, she was going to go. So it was done deal. Maryland left your Zill, came in and said, we'll give your girlfriend a scholarship. It's all taken Ooh. care of. So it, it might be a recruit violation, but who knows. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So, so the night before, about three days before National Signing Day, uh, you know, I'd already been on the trip. Uh, Coach Tubbs, all of them came and got me on my, on my, with the limousine thing. It was really cool. My mom was mad because they thought they'd kidnapped me. And I didn't call my mom and tell her that I was going to Oklahoma to visit. And so, because she didn't want me to go. And so she was calling up at the basketball office, where's my baby? You got my baby. You kidnapped my baby. I'm calling the police. And she so did. I didn't, yeah. And I, <laughs> and I, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk to my mom because I knew I was in trouble because I never told my mom I was going on that trip. And so when I got home, man, I, I mean, I, I got the right act for both my parents. They said, you're not going to Oklahoma. You're not going to play for that little man. I don't like him. I don't trust him. And, and I was just like, you know, so I'm getting ready to go to Maryland. So the night, like three days before, I'm in the car with my girlfriend. So she, I, she's crying. And she says, uh, I said, you ready to go to Maryland? And she said, I can't go to Maryland. It's too far. My family, I'm away from my family. I said, well, I said, well where do you want to go? She said, I, I, I got to go to OU. And I was like, you just telling me this now? I said, left you to Zales in the city. The coach was here. They were here. They were at my high school. And, and you're telling me this now. So. I had to call Coach Tubbs and Coach Mims, Coach Ann, everybody, and uh, tell them, you know, that I was coming to Oklahoma. And uh, my mom was mad. She didn't even come to National Signing uh, Day because she was so mad. And she, she was mad for the first year I was here. And uh, but Coach Tubbs won her over at the end. Uh, I say a couple of things on that, uh, Stacy. <laughs> I remember when, when we came down to, to sign you and we knew that mom wasn't in our corner. And remember, when the night that we signed you, she would sit over here in the yep. room with her back to us. Yep, yep. And yep. Uh, I got pissed and was ready to yep. bail out. I had the briefcase going, yep. and Mims is going, no, 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 let's come back. And and the other thing that it was a, two things that happened. And you know, you don't really send a, a limousine down to kidnap somebody, and. <laughs> So we send the limo, which we did all the time. We sent the limo down to pick uh, Stacy up. We could, we had a choice. You could have a helicopter yep. or a limo, and you chose the limo. Yep. And we sent it to the high school. And Coach Mims's story was, y'all went by and saw your dad at the at the base before you came in. And then that he comes in, and then that night, you know, on the news, you know. Player kidnapped by OU. <laughs> no kidding. Yes. Yeah. And we're going, yeah. Mother has yeah. called in and says OU basketball is kidnapped. <laughs> and you know, you go, well, that's. And then I call Mims in and I go, look, when we're kidnapping somebody, you can't send a limo for him and go by and tell the dad that we're taking him to Oklahoma. And, uh, but fortunately, uh, we all reconsidered on that last night and and you signed and then uh, your mom became a great fan and and really a great lady and uh we loved her and uh she was great for the program and certainly so were you but that that was by the way i don't know if you know this but the only time i went down to see your ass play 
uh, I'm going, it, it, was a, it was a snowstorm going down and then coming back, we slide off the road. One of my buddies is with me and we slide off the road and have to have a wrecker come and pick us up as an ice storm down there. And uh, uh, so, you know, I'm going, you reckon that little <laughs> worth it? <laughs> 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 and, then, and then remember, I had to recruit you again yep. on the flight coming back from yes. Seattle. Because yeah, you were, that's a, you that's were, interesting story. yeah, you were going out. You were coming to, uh, you were going out early. Was that it? That I was, I was, we came back from the NCAA tournament and, uh, um, and against, it was against Iowa. The previous game we played Pittsburgh and I had like a huge game. And uh, then the next game we played Iowa, I played like five minutes. And, you know, I was, I was really was ticked off. too many. Yeah, it, I, I was, I was, <laughs> I was really mad about it. So on the plane ride home, we're losing all these seniors. They're they're graduating. Uh, I'm sitting on the plane, and uh, Rick Pryor, who was our academic counselor at the time, he came over and he was he knew I was upset. So he sits down next to me. And he says, uh, he said, what's going on with you? I said, Rick, get my get my uh, get my academic records ready. I'm transferring. As soon as we get back to normal, I'm out of here. And he's like, what? He said, you can't leave. You know, you got your year next year. You got two years left. Blah blah blah. I said, no, man, just. I already got my transfer. I'm ready. I know where I'm going. I need my need all my records, all my stuff done. And so he's like, just think about it before you make any decision. Talk to your parents, whatever. Meet me in my office. We'll talk about it. So then Rick gets up and he kind of sneakily goes back and tells Coach Tubbs that, hey, you might want to go talk to Stacy King. He's really upset. I think he might be leaving. So I had this when we used to wear the big headphones and and I was on my I was in the seat and, and Coach Tubbs, I knew he was coming because I saw him out the corner of my eye. I said, him come, so I'm gonna try to act like I'm asleep. So I, I kind of cock knocked this. So he walked over to me and I was on the, I was on the outside. And he wanted to come on the inside. So he grabbed my headphones and he popped them. And he said, what the hell are you listening to? Boom. And he let the headset go and hit me in the ear. So I'm already mad. And this man just hit me in the ear with the headphones. I was getting ready to toss him, but I didn't. So he said, he said, move over. And I said, well, you come on in. So he comes in, he says, uh, what's going on with you? I said, well, coach, you know, I, I, I'm just not happy here. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna transfer. I'm not gonna get any playing time here. I just need, I got two years left. And he said, that's a huge mistake. Cause next year, it's gonna be your year. These guys are all leaving. DJ's gone, Chew's gone. It's gonna be your year. And I'm just like, I mean, I can't count on that. And he said, you know what? He said, Stace, your future's bright. <laughs> and, it, and the way he said it was kind of sarcastically, like, like he was, like it was just like jokingly. Like he's, he just looks at me and says. You know, your future's bright, Stacy King. Just make sure you have your sunglasses on. And he walked off. And he just walked off. And I, and I sat in the seat, and I wasn't processing what he said. I was just thinking he was just being a jack-off. So I'm just sitting there like, I'm getting ready to leave here, and this is all he got to say to me. Like, you know, he's not even trying to convince me, like, to stay, but this is what he's going to say to me. And so he walked on back there, and I thought about it, and, and I went home and talked to my parents. And I come from a military family, so... My, my dad didn't want to hear it because the first thing they told me I had to hear is I told you so from my mom was that we told you not to go there and now you're going to stay there and finish out your career. I don't care if you ever play, you're going to stay there. So I ended up having to stay there and it turned out to be the best decision <laughs> that I made. <laughs>
300,000 at the game that night because I have sent 300,000 people that told me they were there the night that happened. So go ahead. Well, I want to hear about the microphone game from you in a second, but I want to hear about it from Okay, we Ed heard, Hi by Ed the Hi way, Hi we heard about that tonight, didn't we? Yeah. Well, uh, I thought it was one of the greatest uh, coaching moves in uh, history of the game. And um, really, uh, we went into the game. It was a veteran crew, Jim Bain, Rick Wilco, and I, uh, three senior. Uh, well, I was young, but uh, I had reached that status of, uh, of being a veteran, even at a young age. And um, Norm Stewart had the uh, uh, illness uh, beset him. And so there was a lot of uh, emotion about that, certainly. And both teams, I think, Billy, correct me, both of you were in the top ten. Top five. Yeah. Top five. Okay, top both five. of them were. So it, it was a major, major game coming in. So um, uh, Missouri broke out uh, to a big lead. And, and all jokes aside, you know, uh, all jokes aside, uh, um, um, Billy needed to turn the game around. And that's what Billy was uh, very good for changing the moment of the game. You know, we knew what he was doing. We, we knew um, practically every move Billy would make as far as how he was going to interact with the officials. And I say this in the most positive way. Officials respected Billy Tubbs, okay? Knew you had to work. Knew he was going to be a bulldog for 40 minutes. Knew he took no prisoners. Knew he was on his players. Knew he was on his assistant coaches. And certainly, why wouldn't he be on the referees? So that it was just his, his makeup. We respected him for that. Didn't like it at the time. But that night, and um, he got an early technical foul from Brick Wilco, okay? And um, so we knew the shoes, man, this is, this is, this is not over. I told both of this is not over. Okay, and I'm the young guy on the team. This is not over. And now all of a sudden they're throwing debris on the floor. And I'm the, I'm the young official. And so Billy and I are having a, uh, a chat and, you know, he uh, talked me into, uh, and I did say, I did say to Billy, and all jokes aside, that uh, uh, Billy, uh, this is a big game. We don't want to run you tonight. Uh, we already have uh, Norm out. You know, we can't have this debris thrown on the floor. And, um, uh, well, Billy used that as the moment. Well, the debris being thrown out now. There's liable if there's going to be a warning and then a technical foul against Billy Tufts. They didn't call it, but they're going to make an announcement now. Now, he's responsible for the crowd. so pleasant last night. He was pleasant this afternoon. They change when the lights go on and the zebras walk in. Now Tubbs will head over to midcourt. Referees, we 
That's unbelievable. He never passes up an opportunity. He used that to his advantage. It turned the game around on a dime. And uh, Missouri had no answers. Uh, Norm and Norm and I, we've done these kinds of programs. Uh, he says, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, if I would have been at that game, there's no way that Billy would have upstaged me. You guys would have thrown both of us out that night because there's no way that I'm going to let Billy on his floor and certainly not on my floor. But it was a great, uh, it was a great move. It was one of the greatest coaching moments in the history of the game. And, and when you do things and not cross the line, now it became the Billy Tubbs rule, don't let coaches go to the microphone. <laughs> no, you, you know, it, it, it really did. It don't matter how you know bad the officiated is tonight. You know, well, and I and I honestly, you know, uh, gosh, uh, I was not expecting, the, you know, that Billy was going to say not, not. Uh, it doesn't matter how bad the officiating is, uh, and uh, of course I really did uh, fracture my finger. You know, you think about that moment now, and uh, as fans uh, turn on the TV and ESPN show the greatest moments in uh, college basketball, it's always about that. And again, you know, uh, um, Billy has done me uh, several favors uh, over the last uh, number of years uh, with fundraisers. And guess what they want to hear about? They want to hear about that story. They want to hear about Billy. We went to Tulsa, what, about five, about six, seven years ago, Billy? Uh, Tulsa and uh, gosh, uh, uh, other, other headline coaches were there. Everybody wanted to hear about that story. It was a it was a great move, you know. So, but but you know, here's the deal. You always knew that Billy was going to have the last word, and he and there wasn't a coach in America that had the great one-liners like this guy. You know, you know, who would come out and say? No, no, no. You know, is it a technical foul if I tell you what I'm thinking? <laughs> think about that. You know, think about that. True story, right, right, Billy? True, true story. You know, but again, you know what? What do you do? You just, you just laugh. You know, is, did he really say that? You know? <laughs> Billy had already got a technical foul yes. earlier in the game. Yes. And back in those days, you had to have three, three. before they ran you. That's right. So no, wait, 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 wait. You could, there was, there's nothing in the rule book that you couldn't run true. somebody on but the second three one. three is the automatic. You got it. It's automatic. Okay. What would have happened if he had said that after having two? Would you have still run him? In we the were not going to run Billy that night in so this crazy place. What would you have done? Wait, wait, wait. In this crazy place? Yeah, I know. Three veteran You'd officials. You would have never gotten out of here alive. That night, no, there's no way you, you, you would do it. And that was why you had three veterans on that game to handle the game. And you know, Billy knew how far to go now. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, I, I, he knew right how to get up to that line and went back up. You use really what you do in coaching or what we really did then more than Norm Stewart's and Johnny Orr's. <clears throat> 
At OU, we always had a cause, if you guys remember, we always developed a cause that it was us against the world. Yeah, yeah. And how many times did we come back yeah. in the huddle after those technicals and come back and say, now look, are we gonna let these three? Yeah, yeah, huh? yeah. You know, are we gonna let these guys beat us? I mean, come on now. And, and that, you used it. And I think while I was coaching, I probably got maybe three, four technicals that, uh, that I didn't know I was going to get. I mean, normally I, I knew I was going to get them, but I got, remember, we got, I don't remember uh, who I was playing, but remember when I got tossed at Madison Square, which really didn't expect, didn't really deserve the second one. Uh, interesting one, off the subject a little bit, at TCU we're playing at um, Princeton, and national TV game. You don't get kicked out on a national no. TV game. No. Uh, but then the officials were out to get me, and you know that, uh, Ed. That they'll come up with, okay, we're not going to put up, blah, blah, blah. So I get, a, I get a technical, I mean a warning and almost a shove from the officials. And on the next trip down the floor, I, the guy passed by and go, hey, that was a foul. And they go, from like baseball from left field, you're gone. <laughs> And it's a lonely ass ride in a big old bus back to the hotel because you can't stay. And at that time, you couldn't even stay in the arena. And I go buy me some Princeton clothes and bring the bus back, and they still won't let my ass in the game. <laughs> and I got, my, I got my cell phone working down to the bench and all that. And, uh, but... That was the time in the Madison Square Garden time. I didn't really see those tees coming. And, uh, but all in all, um, it was, uh, I, I had, a, I liked the time when remember that there was no limit on the number of tees you could get. And I'll tell you something else as well. You know, and thing, this is what I don't like about the game now. Back then, you know, I get in Billy's face, Billy would get in my face, and we're done with it. But well, now they don't, you know, they don't well, want any of that you stuff. You know now. what I would do differently, Ed, if, if the same thing happened and I was coaching now and you asked me to go, you know, do that, I would go say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're a wonderful crowd and I know you're doing such a wonderful job. Would you please don't throw anything on these floor because it may offend these wonderful ass officials or something like that. I'd be politically correct now because I'd have been... Today, I'd been fired the next day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, things that. have changed. Oh. It's the same. You can't say. Don't get me started on how things have changed. Oh, yeah. 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 Let me ask you about one more game, and then we'll be out of here. The 97 points in the first half. We're up 97 points with one minute and 48 seconds left. And these dudes who are not a senior, this is my last go-round, I've only been here two years, started shooting every ball came down. I shoot one three. The little man take me out. The little well, you man, didn't make it, did you? The little, the little man take me out. What I do, Terry, I walk toward it. I say, look here, man. I'm the baddest dude here this year. Don't you ever do that again. <laughs> 
We finished with 176 points. Yeah, but our problem, our problem, Skeeter, was this. It was a coaching error. <laughs> it was a coaching error because you remember you remember when we all played those games 21 or bust yes and you get you know if you hit we just need one but you hit two and you have to start again yeah. okay remember we were talking about we didn't want to get 100 points yeah. we want to get a hundred you can get 100 points in a game maybe 200 points in a game okay so actually we have 97 points with less than three Less than 30 seconds to go or something like that. And being the nice guy, I'm not going to call timeout and make the other team look bad. And so I'm just going to let it ride. And you guys, evidently, I didn't say, look, it would be all right if we get 101 or we get 105. And we go inside two times and we got 101. But y'all, in your little minds... <laughs> You subtract 97 from 100, and what does that come out? Three. So we don't want to bust, so we start damn shooting threes. And we, threw, we shoot three threes, and each one of them deeper. He came back and actually said, dude, you're the leader. I understand those assholes doing that. I don't get you doing it. I said, well, don't ever do that to me on national TV again, sir. I'm sorry. But that's the type of dude he was. I was pissed. Was, it's the type of dude I am, dude, not was. Hey, I ain't damn changing. Before we go, this is what was special. He told us we could score 100 points and a half, and back then we believed it. Try it nowadays. One moment, one moment, please. There's one guy that hadn't said a word tonight, and I want to hear from him. One of the great all-time players in the history of University of Oklahoma, T-Mac, Tim McAllister. Coach Anur recruited me. He had been watching me since I was, uh, I think, a sophomore in high school. We went down and played a Southern Indiana team. Gary and Indiana. Yeah, just so happened. He was, I think he was coming to look at the two twins who played for Kankakee Valley, but luckily I was there. And the rest is history. I mean, I, I wasn't going to play Big Ten basketball, no way. I, I didn't like it. I did that all through high school, so I, I really didn't like it. And coming here, uh, Coach Newell was telling me, I, I saw the offense, used to see uh, David, Bo, and Chucky, how the offense was set up. And those guys were leaving that year. And, you know, those spots had to be filled. So, you know, I got lucky and I, I was able to get one. You know one thing, when you, when you look at the record book at OU, when you go through those pages, most points scored, most points scored in a game, most rebounds, most shots, most assists, blah, 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 you guys hold them. And uh, uh, I'd say in closing, uh, this has been a great family because that's really what it is. Uh, we love you, the Tubbs family, Pat Tubbs, Tommy Tubbs, Taylor Tubbs. We're family, we love you. Uh, I really want to thank Coach Kruger. I think he's doing a great job at OU right now in rebuilding this thing to get it back to where you put it. And um, I, I think this is really a great event, and I think we need to get more players in here every year. Uh, I've been around a lot of colleges, been associated, and, and watch what other people do. And I don't know of anybody else that does anything like this, and especially at this time of year. Most people, remember we've, even at OU, they've had us back 
on a Saturday during the basketball season when a lot of people can't get here. And, uh, but I really want to uh, say a special thanks to Co Coach Kruger because he's doing a great job and, and he does a, uh, so many good things with this program. But I really think that uh, this is really, really a special event to get to see family. Uh, uh, you know, we don't get to really talk as much as you'd like to, but uh, I think about you a lot. Uh, appreciate what you did. Uh, pissed off at what you didn't do. <laughs> so I do a lot of thinking both ways for you. But uh, we really love you and really proud of you and proud of uh, the job that you've done here at the University of Oklahoma. Thanks for being here, Coach. Okay, baby. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming in. I think the uh, the only the only appropriate way to end this is for Ed to tee him up and kick him out of here. Right? <laughs> yeah, send me home, Eddie. Pull out my whistle. I got it. No, he's got it. Give him a quick one, Billy. This is for you. Yeah. This is for you.